Relationship Podcast with your host, Certified Life Coach, Chris Rich. If you're having trouble navigating your mixed faith relationships, struggling to connect with your people, or having specific challenges, you are in the right place, my friend. Welcome to the Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind where today we've got three mixed faith experts. I love this group so much. These women are two of my favorite people. I have so much love, respect, and admiration for these ladies. Um, I One thing I really love about this group is we have three very different experiences and perspectives, and we are all in mixed faith marriages. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and have everyone introduce themselves really quick. Brooke, let's start with you. Can you tell us who you are? Sure. So Brooke Booth, um, I coach people in a mixed faith marriage who are struggling to feel love and connection and warmth for each other, both individuals and couples really help them navigate the faith transition and the mixed faith marriage and the bumps that can come along with that. I'm in a mixed faith marriage. Um, of, you know, I was doing the math the other day and I think it's like 16, 2016 or 2017 when we officially started this journey here in our household. And, um, I have that, I probably stopped attending church probably in 2017 officially. So it's been a little bit of time. Um, I've got four kids. One still goes to church with my husband. He goes every week and, stay home and sleep in, which I don't mean to brag. It just is really lovely for me personally, though. Okay, Suzette, how about you? Uh, Yeah, I'm Suzette Halterman. I work with couples, um, all different kinds, and I am in a mixed faith marriage myself. And then I and I help couples that are in mixed faith marriages. I don't do that exclusively, but it is part of the work that I do in working with couples. And uh, I would say that the mixed faith marriage issue in my own relationship is like a non-issue these days. Like, I feel like we're in a good, we've kind of figured things out for now, but you know, kids change, grow and change and, you know, life throws curveballs all the time. So who knows how things will go, but for now we're in a good place. Um, and I'm just personally just using relationship communication skills with my kids and in other aspects of my life. And, and I'm always learning and growing, but um, yeah, I love working with couples and helping them to get to a good place. Also, that would be my goal for everybody. Awesome. Okay. And I am Chris Rich. I am an active believing member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I'm currently serving as the second counselor in my stake relief society presidency here in the beautiful state of Massachusetts. I, I have been married for about 26 years and most of that time, uh, my husband and I have been in a mixed faith marriage. We've got three awesome kids. We've got a 14 year old son, a 19 year old son and a 21 year old daughter. And all three of my kids have no interest in religion at all. So I work with active members of the church who assume that they would always be on the same page with religion as their spouse. Well, now they're not. And it feels like that rug has just been ripped out from under their feet. So what I do is I give them the exact steps to help them get back on their feet and to create a thriving and connected marriage even when they don't share the same beliefs as their, as their spouse. And I work with my clients one-on-one. So that's, that's who I am and what I do. Um, so in these past masterminds, we've talked about, I think this is our fifth one, if I'm correct. We've talked about connection. We've talked about partnership. We talked about alcohol. We talked about garments. And today we are going to be talking about listening and I love this con this, I love this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <gasps> this subject. Okay. Thank you. I'm having a hard time, uh, humaning for a minute there. Um, I just, I love this subject because it's something that I am really trying to work on myself. And the first question that I want to ask my panel of experts I want you to share a time when you encountered a terrible listener and what that was like for you. 
whether that is yourself or someone else, or sometimes I'm the terrible listener. So I'll just throw that out there. Brooke, let's go with you first. Okay. I've got a story. And I do not mean to throw my husband under the bus with this story because he is unfortunately the example of the terrible listener. So caveat, like he also can listen. This is just an example. So this one just happened recently. We have a boiler in our house. We have an older house, obviously. And we've been somewhat of a temperamental boiler. Um, and the heat wasn't working in the basement. And I let him know, like, hey, the heat's not working in the basement. We already had people lined up. Like, we already had, like, some contractors coming to solve some other issues. Like, this wasn't a big deal. Um, I wasn't saying, like, you need to fix this or anything like that. I was just like, hey, FYI, just so you know, it's not working in the basement. Now, this is what I want to highlight here with this story. Because you're like, so where's the listening involved here? So sometimes we have really narrow definitions of what it means to listen. So what he did here in this is this example of poor listening is he didn't believe me. He he assured me that the heat was working fine in the basement. And then a few days later, he was downstairs working in the boiler room um, on a totally different issue. And he's like, um, I owe you an apology. The heat was not working in the basement. And I was like, mm. <laughs> like, yeah, I know because I have like, you know, sensory nerve endings on my skin. Like I can be a little snarky, but like, I'm like, yeah. But what this highlighted to me though was, um, like I was just trying to communicate something to him and he couldn't receive it for whatever reason. I think he gets a little nervous about when things aren't working well, that it's his fault and he needs to be fixing things whatever might be going on there. I don't know. But what was interesting to me is he couldn't hear me just saying, Hey, something's not right. FYI. It was hard for him to receive that. It was hard for him to acknowledge that and validate that and listen to that. And, and I think so much of this is like, you know, offering, and we'll talk probably more about this later, but I was like offering a bid. Hey, I just want you to know, you know, if you talk to the contractors before me, it's not working. Like FYI, or I'm concerned that he's not working. And instead of saying like, okay, like, I'm sorry, like you're concerned. I can see that. Um, that must be frustrating. And yeah, that's, that's really annoying that we have to deal with this boiler stuff right now. Like, it was just like, nope, you're not right. You're wrong. And I just want to highlight that is like, he may have heard what I said, but he wasn't, I don't think exercising the skill of listening that we're going to delve into. Like the, I offered a bid. He wasn't able to respond effectively or positively to that bid. He wasn't able to listen for the bids. He wasn't able to recognize that that was a bid. His own probably insecurities or fears blocked him from doing that. I don't want to get too much into the context, but like, that's my like real life example from very recently. And and it kind of happens like when cars are a little fussy or things, I'll be like, hey, there's something wrong. And he'll just be like, no, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. And I'm like, it's just an example that I want people to like reflect on it. It's not like he wasn't, he wasn't ignoring me or shutting me down. He just wasn't actually listening to what I was actually trying to communicate. All right. That's my story. I, I love that. Just listen, like being able to just receive as part of listening is super important. So my example of not of a, a horrible listener is, is myself. Like That's what I, I was thinking about people. And I was like, well, I can more easily think of all the times, like in the past week that I have not been a good listener. Um, and I think we'll get into later why we tend to not be good listeners, but um, I'm human just like anyone else. I feel like I can listen really well to my husband, I am not a good listener with my kids because I go into like lecture mode and I go into power struggle mode. Like I have to put a lot more effort in being a good listener with my kids than I do with my husband for whatever reason. I think because I work with couples, it's like become more automatic when my husband's talking for me to like shift into a more receptive place and like put my own stuff aside. But man, there's other relationships that I do not listen so well. So just going to have a little humility here and just own that. Like I can be, uh, even this morning, like I was totally in a power struggle with my kids and I wasn't listening. Um, I was trying to get out the door and they like, it was, you know, one of those kind of mornings. So uh, yeah, I can be a, a not good listener. 
uh, it happens on a weekly basis. It's life. Well, you are in good company, Suzette, because sometimes mine is a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I think sometimes my teenage son, he'll be telling me about like a video game or something. And I'm just like, the words are going into my brain, but there's no connection. Um, my example, I remember when I was in college, I was working and I just had a root canal and I was in so much pain and I don't know why I was at work, but I was, and my boss walked by and he said, Hey, Chris, how you doing? And I said, Oh, I, I am in so much pain. I just had a root canal. And he said, that's great. That's what we like to hear. And he just kept going. And I was just like, I'll never forget that. And then I can look at so many times where I've probably done something very similar. So, um, so I want, and I are the people that are listening, I would love for you guys to think of a time where you count encountered a terrible listener and just kind of think about that. Um, so my next question is on the opposite side of that. Um, so I want you guys to, to share a time when you felt like you were really listen to you're really being heard and we'll just go in that same order okay so mine's basically the opposite story of what I shared before so this is an experience with my sister and I like Suzette how you say it like where they can really receive I I think that that wording is is really helpful so I have a sister who's just like listening is I swear her superpower and I was telling her something once that was really challenging and really vulnerable and like really not easy to share with another human being, but important, right? And all she said to me was, um, that's a lot. Like, I acknowledge you. Like, I don't even have words to, like, I don't even know what to say, but like, that's a lot. And like, all she was doing very effectively and very simply is like, yeah, I hear you. Right. Like just in her, like, I don't have a solution for that. I, I, that's a, I acknowledge what you're experiencing and what you're feeling is significant. And, and that's really all she did. Yeah. I love that. Um, I would say the times that I've felt the most listened to was when I paid for a coach <laughs> to listen to me, right? I Sometimes you have to pay for that. Like I, when I was kind of in the depths of my own faith crisis and navigating that for myself, you know, there's a lot there that I was trying to unpack and a lot of emotion and a lot. Uh, and so I just, I hired somebody <laughs> to listen to me because it's hard to find that, you know, you, to find like kind of a neutral person that can listen in that situation that doesn't feel like sometimes family, they can't, there's too, there's too much involved for them, a spouse, sometimes too much emotion involved. They can't receive, they can't listen, they can't be open. Uh, so uh, yeah, people who are trained to listen and like can have like, yeah, I'm going to give you an hour. <laughs> You're paying me to do this. I'm going to do it. It's fantastic. Highly recommend it to anyone. Uh, so yeah, it's, it feels wonderful to be listened to. It helps sort out all the jumble to have that space of just somebody who can listen. I, I love to, that. Oh, go ahead. Have to second that. Like, yes, yes, and yes. That's all. Totally. Um, I have a lot of examples of great listeners. I was, I remember a couple of years ago, I was having a really bad day. I was really just, I don't even remember what was going on. And my daughter is currently studying in China. So we were, we were FaceTiming and I just said, I just want a hug. And I was, you know, I was telling her what was going on and, and she clearly was not in a position to come give me a hug, but she just sat there and listened to me. And then <laughs> uh, probably about 45 minutes later, after we got off this FaceTime call, someone knocked on my door and my daughter had texted one of my friends and she happened, she used to babysit for her. So that's why she had this, uh, had her phone number and she, my friend came over and she said, I have a hug for you from China. And she had a bouquet of flowers. It's going to get me right now. And I just, I so appreciated that, that she listened to what I said that I wanted and she did something about it. And I will never forget that. So that's one of my, I really felt listened to that day. Uh, 
Okay, so how do how do we know when someone is really listening? You know, I'm going to I'll start first because I think it's in part of what what we've been talking about here. Like a really good listener is not making it about themselves. Like when you're a really good listener, you're not you're not getting triggered in your own insecurities and your own fears you're not making it about you. Like for instance, like the, what you're, let's just talk husband, wife, like what your spouse is sharing with you, you don't make it a referendum on you, your skills, your behaviors, whatever. Like this is not a commentary about you or your shortcomings or your successes. This is not about you and what you need to change or improve. Now this is hard to do because our brains make everything about us, right? This is, but like, that's what I think is the hallmark of a really good listener is they don't automatically internalize it as this is about me. And this is about like, like I said, a referendum or a commentary or indictment about me, but in what they do instead is like, this is about my spouse and their experience. This is about what they're feeling. This is about their thoughts. This is about how they experience the world or they experience a circumstance. Now, I'll piggyback on what Suzette said. And that's why before I was like, yes, yes, and yes. Is because sometimes the coach or the therapist can do this more effectively because they don't have the same history as your spouse. Like, that's why. Like, that's why we go and hire these people. I always have my own little retainer of support staff, as I like to call them, because sometimes our spouses are not, it's not that they don't want to listen. It's just sometimes it's really hard to not make it about you and to be able to, I like, I use the term, hold that space. It's kind of a coachy term, but basically that just means you're not making it about you and you're just letting it be about them, their experience. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think for me, like if I know somebody's listening, they're asking questions about my experience. So they're not, they're listening to understand me. They're not listening to reply. If they're just replying, defending themselves, being defensive, like then I, then I know they're not listening, but if they're asking questions or like, just, you know, trying to get more clear on what's going on with me, then I know they're listening. Uh, And most people don't do that. (laughs) I'll just put that out there. Um, I used to, so yeah, totally agree with all those things that you guys have shared. Uh, I love the, I actually speak Mandarin Chinese. I served my mission in Taiwan and I love the care, the Chinese character for listen, and it combines a whole bunch of other characters. It combines the character for eyes, your mind, your ears, uh, the, the character for the number one, meaning like giving your undivided attention and your heart. So listening combines all of those things that we're thinking we're, we're using our hear our, our ears, our heart, all those things together. Um, and really being present, like looking at the person and at those questions that Suzette was just talking about are so important. And, um, I think when we're really listening to people, we are seeing them as they are and that we recognize and respect that um, their views and their beliefs, and even if they're totally different from ours. So it's just like seeing people as they are. I love that thought. Uh, Okay. So my next question is, so what gets in the way of listening? Like we understand what listening is and I think we'll share more things about how we can listen better, but what gets in our way of listening? I, I could start on this one. Uh, I think it's just our, I mean, our brains are threat detection machines. And the minute we experience perceived threat, whether it's real or not, our brain goes into fight, flight or freeze and fight looks like defending ourselves or proving why we think differently and flight looks like, like, I'm not going to engage and like, I'm not going to listen. Like it's detachment, right? Like I can't listen. I'm going to detach. And, and there's like an actual biological reason. Like when our brain is in fight, flight, or freeze mode, the part of our brain that can be empathic and have 
other like do perspective taking shuts off. Like we're conserving energy for fight, flight, or freeze. And so what gets in the way is, is our brains perceiving threat. And so like, I think about myself this morning, cause I was not a good listener with my kids this morning, my brain detected threat. Like they're disrespecting me. I'm going to be overwhelmed. I'm like, not going to be okay if they're not listening to me. And when I do that, I go into like, I go into fight mode. I go into like defending and power. Like I gotta, I gotta get more power. And so I stop listening to them and I put myself above them and you have to listen to me. I have to regain control. So like, my threat detection system, just using my morning as an example, was like, oh no, I'm uh, there's I'm I'm feeling threatened by being overpowered by my children disrespecting me. Boom, I'm in fight mode, and my listening is gone. Like my brain shuts off empathy, shuts off care, concern, all that is like out the window in less than a second. So uh, I think just understanding that that's how our brains are wired is really important. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd exactly the same thing. I'd use the word, like we have to do our own work to learn how to manage our brain when it's going crazy, <laughs> because that's exactly what happens. So, so this is how I see it a lot. When, when listening to somebody or hearing somebody share their experience, the listening probably comes later, but when you hear somebody share their experience and it's setting off your own insecurities, your own fears, your own guilt, your own shame, your own inadequacies, it makes it really hard for you to listen for, for all the reasons that Suzette just enumerated. And I see this like when people are always, okay, that didn't come out right. Let me say it better. When there's a phase transition and you want to tell your spouse, you want to tell them about the significant change you're experiencing. A lot of times the people I talk to initially are very hesitant to bring this information to their spouse. And I think for this very reason we're talking about, because they can predict in their mind that they're going to say this thing, their spouse is going to feel insecure or fearful or whatever, and then spin off into worry or catastrophizing or self-blame or trying to fix it, fix them, change them. And so like, why bring up something that's going to basically drive this conversation off a cliff or this relationship off a cliff? And, and it's the fear of not being listened to that prevents people from communicating on these rather important topics in a marriage. So when we can really start to manage our own brain and to create strategies or ways of tools, using tools to so that we can be more effective listeners, like obviously they're going to be a significant impact on the relationship. And, and I don't want to just like blame the believing spouse because it works in reverse too. Like if you're the believing spouse and you want to talk to your post-Mormon or transitioning spouse about a conference talk or a moving spiritual experience you have, but that's going to trigger their insecurities or feels, fears or guilt or shame or inadequacy. It's going to be really hard for them to listen to you and to be able to be that listening partner for you. So this work of getting to know yourself and how you, you know, what your default modes are when you are, you're, your nervous system is triggered or these emotions come up and being able to have some real strategies and tools to deal with that. That's what helps you be a good listener. I'm not saying exclusively, but it's one of the skills in your toolbox to have to help develop good listening skills. And piggybacking off on that, I think it's so important to recognize that our emotions are the fuel that we take action from. So if we are wanting to listen, there are certain emotions that are that will serve us. And there are some emotions that will not serve us at all. I think of, um, you know, like if you are putting fuel into your car, you probably want to get, you know, make sure that you've got the right fuel. You, you know, you want to get the Maybe it's not the fanciest fuel, but you want to make sure at least you're putting the correct fuel in your car. You would never pour like diet Coke into your, into your end, your car engine. And sometimes we are listening and I'm going to put that in quotes from fuel that does not serve us. We're listening from anger or we're feeling defensive or hurt, or we're feeling judgmental and 
those those emotions are not great fuel for a conversation. It, it, so it's good to check in what fuel are we taking into it. I also wanted to circle back. There is a quote that I love by Stephen R. Covey. And he said, and this kind of goes back to what Suzette was saying earlier. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. They're either speaking or preparing to speak. They're filtering everything through their own paradigms, reading their autobiography into other people's lives. And I just love, yeah, we all have our own perspective and our own story, and we project that on on other people. And um, I think that really that really comes up when we're when someone's sharing something because we're thinking, oh, if I could just think of the right conference talk to share with them, or if I could just think of the we're not listening to their words. We're coming, we're trying to come up with a response. And so we're really not listening. So just some good things to pay attention to. I uh, okay. So, and I'm going to start this, uh, this next question, what helps us to be good listeners? And I just kind of hit on this a minute ago. We want to make sure that we are taking that we are feeling and coming from the emotion that is going to help us be a good listener. So some emotions that are super helpful to listen from are um, curiosity, love, compassion, understanding, empathy, hope, uh, even confusion. I think those are when we can come at a, a conversation with those emotions, it's going to look very, very different. And I love, I don't, if you guys are not familiar with this book, Bridges by David Osler, I love this book. It has so many great tips and a quote that I wanted to share from him. So he says, listen, listen, and listen, then listen some more. Don't rebut, testify, or try to explain away the concerns. And then he talks about some great questions that we can ask to help us to be to be more curious and to uh, to go in, you know, to find out what's really going on for our spouse or or whoever we're listening to. Um, and some of those questions: What can I do to support you right now? What would help you to feel loved and understood? This is a hard thing. How are you holding up? Kind of like what Brooke's sister had said. And uh, the last one that he shared, will you tell me more about what you do believe? And so asking those questions and then just listening, zip it and listen. So those were a couple of the thoughts I had. I'll, I, mean, I'll, I can share uh, because practicing listening skills is a lot of what I do with couples during our sessions. And we do a lot of, I do a lot of preparation work. Like you have to prepare to listen. So I have them do some exercises. Like if we, I divide them into speaker and listener mode. So there's certain rules that the speaker has to follow to make listening more likely from their listener. But there's also some rules the listener has to follow. And we do a lot of preparation for them. So like, like calming themselves down, putting their own stuff aside. So they feel really open, remembering that this is just, their partner's view of the world and the lens through which they see the world. It's filtered through their history and really getting them into a place of kind of separation, like their problem, whatever they want to talk about. Uh, I don't have to like absorb that and take it personal. Uh, I do some like visual imaging of like you're safe and protected. So you can just listen. Um, there's a great book called boundaries that stick setting boundaries that stick um, that teaches like some great visual imaging to help you be a better listener. Um, I won't go into it, but I use it personally and it's fantastic. So there's a lot of preparation work to be a good listener so that you can be open and separate enough so that you're not like absorbing things like a sponge, like Brooke was talking about, where you're like making it mean something about you and who you are and your flaws. Um, so listening is hard. And I think where I get tripped up as a listener is when I'm, it's kind of spontaneous and I haven't had that time to like prepare. Like if I know my husband wants to talk to me about something, I have a minute to kind of do that prep work so that I can come into the conversation, able to listen. If somebody just like springs something on me, or it's like in the spur of the moment when I'm trying to do other things, like, this is why I I'm not a good listener with my kids is because it's never like a time when I've had a minute to like 
be a good listener. So uh, I think being a good listener requires a lot of preparation. It's exhausting. That's why you can't do it all the time. Like I am not a good listener out and about in the world. Like I reserve that for the situations where I need to be because it's mentally, physically, emotionally very draining to be like a really good, effective listener. So a lot of preparation work, a lot of kind of boundaries and separation. Like this is not about me. Um, one more quick thought about that is I, I used to do a lot of yoga and it listening reminds me of like balance. Balance is not like an easy process. You're constantly moving, tightening your core, like adjusting, like where you're looking to maintain balance. You're tightening this, you're adjusting this. And it might look easy, like you're just standing there on one leg, but it's a very active process. And it's the same with listening. Like listening is a constant, like I feel my defensiveness coming up. I'm going to put it down. I feel my thoughts coming up. I feel my thoughts wandering. I got to stop that. I got to tighten my core. I got to do this. I got to do this so that I can stay present listening. It's a very active process that takes a lot of practice, skill, training to get good at. So that was a lot. That's such a good point though. And I get the yoga analogy. This is what I want to add. I want to add that. So we've been talking about how sometimes when our partner or child or somebody that we're in relationship is talking to us, that we're busy responding like in our head. And I want to be clear what, what we mean by that is we're busy responding to our own emotional state. We're busy responding to our own emotional reaction. Like that's what we're responding to. And I, I think responding in and of itself isn't a problem, but can, and this is exactly what we're talking about, learning how to respond to their emotional state, learning how to respond to what they're saying. We're very good at responding to our own emotional state. That's just gonna happen, right? They say something, we feel insecure, we're gonna respond to that. That's what's probably gonna come out of our mouth. Mouth is some response to our insecurity or inadequacy. So much of listening is, I love how you said it, like it's going to come up and then you just put it down and it's going to come up and it's going to put it down. And then can you refocus on their emotional state? This is a, this is not an easy skill. Like it, it, it looks rather benign as you're doing it, but there's a lot going on and um, be gentle with yourself because this takes some practice. Totally. I'm just picturing that yoga, the yoga pose and falling on your face because we've done that with listening and yoga too. Um, okay. So, and this kind of goes into the next question. How do we listen when we don't agree with someone or we're amped up? Our emotions are high. Give us some thoughts on that, ladies. I'll jump in here is because this is a lot what we've been talking about like usually when emotions are higher we don't agree we want to defend we want to justify we want to explain we want to convince we don't want to listen like we it it becomes uh no this is how you should think about it um that's not right like it's it's a defensive justification explaining thing so this is what helps me like this is part of like the practical work I might do in the moment when I'm like, oh, no, you can't you think about it that way. You can't believe you. So this is what helps me is, and I'll say these words to myself in that moment. This isn't an indictment of me. This is about understanding them. Like this is me holding that yoga pose. This is what's going on internally. This isn't to change me. This is for them to share their experience. Like this isn't about what I've done wrong and what I need to fix. This is about them letting me know what it's like to be in this relationship. I'm here for them. This is how I offer love and support. I'm happy to do that. Like this is sort of the internal dialogue I'll have in my head to help me create the feelings that Chris was referring to, of maybe curiosity or openness, to help me put down the fears, to put down the insecurities, to put down the defensiveness and the judgments so that I can remain present, so that I can remain responding to their emotional state instead of my emotional state. I completely agree. I think if your emotional state is high, if you're not in a place to listen, then don't. <laughs> don't pretend. Like just say, uh, 
can, can we discuss this later when you, again, like when you have some time to get yourself in that place and do all the stuff you need to do to put your own baggage to the side and be present. And I'm just, I keep using this, my own example from this morning, cause I was a horrible listener this morning. That's what I should have done. My kids were upset about certain screen time limits. And I went into this power struggle mode. What I should have done is said, Hey, can we talk about it after school? So I can like understand where you're coming from. That's what I should have done. Cause I would have been able to listen. Then I could have prepared myself all day to like really kind of be in a place to understand them. Um, so I think with your spouse, like if they bring something up and you are getting defensive and your emotions are high, then just wait, like say, like, I can't listen to you right now. I need some time so that I can show up and listen to you better. Like take a time out. No conversation has to happen right then and there. Like just say, can we talk about this in a little bit? So you have just a few minutes even just to like get yourself regulated a few minutes, half a day, the next day, there's no, there's nothing wrong with sleeping on it and talking about it the next morning <laughs> when you might be a little more regulated, have a little better perspective. Like all those things are really healthy for being able to show up and listen uh, more productively. I love those. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from Byron Katie. And she said, defense is the first act of war. And I notice when I feel myself getting defensive, I remember that thought. And there are times where I'm ready to like put up my dupes and you know, that it, it, I, you got to pick your battles. But I think when I'm feeling that I just, think of going to war with my armor and my sword and just ready. And that's usually not the energy I want to take into my conversation. I think another really important thing to remember is listening to someone does not mean that you have to agree with them. You can still just listen and be so curious and ask questions about, you know, like help me understand why you feel this way or um, what, and just drop dropping into that curiosity and just asking them questions. You don't have to agree at all, but just helping, um, just staying in curiosity, I think can really, really help. Um, also, I like to ask myself the question is, do I want to build a bridge or a wall? Because there's sometimes where it's just like, I know that if I engage in this argument when my emotions are high, it's going to be a, a wall that I'm just going to run right into. So kind of just stopping and asking like, what do I want my end result to be? Where do I want to, where do I want this to take me? So I think those can be good questions to, to ask. Um, and we've kind of talked about this already, but let's just kind of go over what are the benefits of listening for our mixed faith marriages with our kids? Just what are the benefits of listening? I'll start off with this one. Um, in regards to mixed faith marriages require a lot of collaboration and compromise and finding solutions. And you can't get to effective compromise and collaboration if you don't really deeply understand each other. And you can't understand each other if you're not listening. Um, you got to understand, like, what's the deeper meaning here? Why is this so important to you? Like, you know, and, and you can't get there without listening. If you can listen and understand each other really deeply, compromise and collaboration almost like naturally flows from that. Um, if you skip the listening and understanding part and you're trying to find solutions and problem solve and compromise, you're going to get stuck because you don't have like this respect for where the other person's coming from. So listening deeply builds respect like it's connection like you were saying chris you don't have to agree with them but you can connect to that human experience of maybe feeling powerlessness or feeling um you know like they like not having a choice or feeling you know those are just human experiences and the more you can listen deeply and connect with the human experience like yeah like as a human i can relate to that feeling i may not agree with like your reasoning but i can relate to the human experience that you're having of whatever it is when you have, when you can relate to them in that way, it builds respect. And then you, you're more likely to honor each other as you're trying to find like a win-win solution. So that's a long way to say you cannot reach win-win solutions in a mixed faith marriage without listening to understand each other and respect the human experience that the other person's having. Mm -hmm. What Suzette's talking about here is like what John Gottman calls like influence. When and I like to think of influence as like a figure eight 
flowing between the husband and wife or the two people in the relationship. When there's influence flowing, and again, listening is a basic tenet to like let that influence flow. Um, you can share things, you can receive things, like that's really what is happening. And that's one aspect of listening is really letting things be shared and letting things be received instead of our own insecurities, fears, concerns, blocking that flow of influence. I love to like consider, like I see in my mind's eye, like this flow of influence and it creates, um, like influence is, is going to happen when there's a lack of judgment, when there's a lack of defensiveness. Like you can see, these are the similar things that are stopping us from listening. When there's um, a lack of convincing, when you're really allowing them to share and be who they are and have their experience, that influence is now flowing in a really healthy way. When there's that influence really flowing in a relationship, like, and this is what Suzette was saying, is there's safety, there's space for people to continue to share and continue to be heard and continue to like partnership now flourishes when we talked about partnership a few times ago. Like this is key to partnership is really letting this flow of receiving and giving in this way where it's a, it's a two-way street. To me, it's just the foundation of, you know, relationship that can continue to thrive and grow and develop. Love that. Um, I think too, when I am really listening to someone, it helps me to slow down. So I am more apt to respond instead of reacting to them. And I think that is so important. All my kids are older. And um, so either with my kids or with my husband, when I can, instead of freaking out and reacting and just listening to what they're saying, then I can show up as the person that I want to be instead of losing it. And I'm, am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. But the times where I do slow down and listen, I feel like I can respond with love. I've had, my kids have told me some things that I'm just like, I don't want to know this. I don't want to hear this. But because I'm trying to you know, just really listen and be curious, I'm able to ask them questions. And, and now they are, they're telling me things. Sometimes it's stuff that I really don't want to hear about, but they know they can talk to me and that I'm not going to freak out and, and lose it sometimes. <laughs> um, I just, I think it's so just giving ourselves that chance to respond instead of react and listening is just helps us to slow it down. Um, okay. And this kind of, I think we've kind of mentioned this already, but what are, what happens when we don't listen? What do we create for ourselves when we're not listening? Okay. I'll start here is there's a message that it's implied. Like this is like, this is sort of meta, but there's a message I think that's received and given when there's not listening. And it's like, what you say isn't really that important. Your experience doesn't really matter to me. Like, I don't believe you. Like, it's it's subtle, but I consider these things to be some, and I'm using this term rather lightly, but like a micro trauma, like little cuts, little cuts. Like, if it happens here and there, it's going to happen because, you know, I loved Suzette's point earlier is we can't always be listeners. We just can't. Like, it's it's a high skill level um, you need to take breaks, <laughs> but when there's a consistent pattern of not listening, I think you, these little cuts add up over time. You have a cumulative, like last time, Chris, you mentioned like cumulative grief. And I've been thinking a lot about it. And I think this happens, this cumulative pain can happen. in then when there's just chronic patterns of not listening and it can really erode a relationship, you don't need one big, bad behavior to send a relationship headed in a tailspin. Cumulative behavior is sufficient. It really is. And so it's really fundamentally these messages that aren't being spoken out loud, but still nonetheless there of this just isn't important. 
and your lived experience isn't something I value or prioritize. Think of that death by a thousand paper cuts. The little things. Sorry, so that. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think with any relationship, it's like building a layer cake. So when you're not listening, you're putting layers of negativity. Um, you know, yeah, like like Brooke was saying, feeling like you're not being cared for because I'm you're just adding layers of yuckiness <laughs> because it just it creates nothing good. Not listening is always going to be problematic. You're going to have to repair. So like I wasn't a good listener this morning. Now I have to repair with my kids when they come home from school and we have to rebuild. We have to like take off that layer that I just built, which was very dismissive and, um, you know, this power struggle and I got to build a new layer, got to repair, you know? So it's, you're just adding more work for yourself. Like if you can listen well, the first time you're putting on layers of like care and connection and empathy, and it builds foundation for good things. If you, you know, if you're not listening, it adds a layer of crap that you usually have to like scrape off and fix so that you can like keep your cake depending I mean if you want a crap cake you can do that but I personally would like a better cake so um, it's important to me to be a good listener um, so that's my take on it and I, I think with that when we are not good listeners to to be to to recognize that. And it's, it is a great, even though we want to be good listeners, it's a great opportunity to repair and to say, you know what, I did not show up as my best self. And can we try again? And that can be, so if you're not a good listener, don't beat yourself up. All is not lost. It's just own it. And just, this is a chance to go back and, and to try again. Um, so that goes with my next question. How do we get back on course when we're not listening? Because I, I think, and what I, just what I said to call yourself out and it may be like, Hey, I, I did a terrible job listening last night. Or sometimes I know like my husband will be telling me something in the middle of it. I'm thinking of like my target grocery list and, and I'll have to be like, you know what, can you repeat that? Cause I was not listening. And I think just calling ourselves out on it, um, either to them verbally or just realizing like, I'm not listening. we got to refocus and listen more with intention. That would be my, my suggestion there. I think, I think all the things we've talked about taking a break, getting control of yourself, asking for a redo, like you were saying, Chris, just wait, can you repeat that? I wasn't, yeah, just like any any kind of refocusing. You're just kind of oh, refocusing, getting yourself back into what you should be doing. Yeah, and I'll just echo a lot of what we've already said. Like, what are the obstacles stopping you from listening? And start addressing those. Like, start doing the work on clearing out those obstacles. You know, is it your own, you know, your busyness, your avoidance, your fear, your anger, whatever it is, like, get some help for that, like address that, remove the obstacles so that listening doesn't have so many obstacles in the way. Anything else that you ladies want to add to our discussion about listening? I have one thing I'd like to add is listening. Like, I love what Suzette was saying. It's a higher skill set, right? It takes vulnerability. It's going to be scary. You're not going to be really good at it at first. You're probably going to be uncomfortable in your attempts. You're going to be bad before you're okay. You're going to be okay before you're good. So I know we're like, it's so important. And then your marriage is going to fall apart if you don't listen. Like, I don't want this to be like a fear mongering exercise. I want this to be more like, we're trying to sell you on listening. This is important. We want you to do it. Um, you're never going to be perfect at it. We're not, but like, it's okay to be bad and then okay before you're good. Be so patient with yourself as you learn this new skill, like let yourself be bad so that you can start developing it. Um, and just acknowledge it's going to be uncomfortable because you're being vulnerable because you're trying something new and that's okay. I just think it's, this is a good reminder for me, even like listening, like when we get busy with the day-to-day -day stuff, we just have conversations. We're trying to find solutions all the time, especially in mixed faith marriage. Like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And stuff comes up. It is really hard to remember to listen. So 
I mean, just use this as a, just like a refocusing, like it's refocusing for me today, even talking about it, refocusing on, oh yeah, I do need to like put some effort into listening. Uh, like Brooke was saying, just practice and skill, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's a conscious thing that you have to do and none of us do it all the time. <laughs> I definitely do not. So I'm going to commit today to being a better listener. That's my commitment. And I think too, there are times, there's some skills that it's like, the more you do it, the better you get. And hopefully that happens with listening. I think it's also to, important to remember that depending on what's going on for us or who we're talking to or what the circumstance is, just because you're a good listener in some situations, it doesn't mean that we don't have an opportunity to uh, to practice. And in mixed faith relationships, we get so many opportunities to practice. So we, yeah, we just, we it's important to not beat ourselves up, but to just recognize like, yep, I wasn't a great listener there and here's an opportunity. Um, I love this quote and I wish I could remember where it came from. Um, but it says, just listen without judgment, without thinking about what you want to say next, once they stop talking, without trying to find fault in what they are saying, without becoming defensive, without making what they are saying mean anything about you, just listen. And I, I think those are some great closing words for our discussion today, that that's that listening is a skill and a superpower when we, when we can use it. Um, my friends, what, where can people find you guys if they want to learn more? Um, I'm on Instagram, Suzette Halterman coaching. I've got a website, just Suzette Halterman coaching. <laughs> Not very creative. <laughs> I'm just as creative as Suzette because mine is Brooke Booth coaching on Instagram and my website is Brooke Booth coaching. We try not to make this difficult. I think we're just, we're just making it easy for people. And I'm not much more creative because mine is chrisrichcoaching.com. You can also find me on the mixed faith relationship podcast. And Brooke also has a podcast. Brooke, what's your podcast? The Mormon mixed faith marriage podcast. There we go. So, um, well, you guys, this has been great, a great conversation, and we look forward to next month when we have another topic to help you in your mixed faith marriage. That's all we've got for you guys today. You don't have to be on the same page with religion to have a great relationship. If you are feeling stuck in all the emotions that are coming up for you in your mixed faith relationships or are looking for tools to help you move forward, I can help you. Sign up for a free session with me. Go to chrisrichcoaching.com and click on work with me because you and your loved ones are worth it, my friend. Thank you.